Hello to all pioneers, visionaries, and innovators. My name is Janice King. Welcome to Passioners Podcast, a podcast that tells stories of passionate people who inspire us, and hopefully you as well. Crazy that tomorrow is the final day of 2020. What a weird year, right? It has been a noisy and hectic, but also quiet and solitary year for me. Wherever you are, I hope you're staying safe and well. If you're listening to this episode on Apple Podcasts, follow and rate us. Thanks for supporting us. Today's episode is about Jeff Polish, founder of The Monty, a storytelling nonprofit organization based in Raleigh, North Carolina, that invites people to tell personal stories. Their mission is to create a community through the tellings of stories. Dr. Polish, thanks for joining us for the show. It's my pleasure. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Before we get started, could you briefly describe the Monty and introduce yourself? Sure. Um, okay, so in 2008, I founded the Monty, which um, is basically an organization that invites people to tell personal stories in front of a live audience. We're a nonprofit. Um, and it's, I mean, it's transformed my life because I used to be a scientist, you know, I was a trained molecular cell biologist and, you know, I realized at a certain point that my talents were, you know, stronger in the communication department than they are in the bench science department. So I pivoted and I always loved listening to stories, and I knew that other people did as well. So I started the Monty because of my love of stories. And the thing is, is that people flocked to our shows. We basically host one to two shows per month. That's outside of, you know, a global pandemic. But, um, and we basically assemble five to eight storytellers. And we sell out most of the venues that we produce shows in. It's because people love to connect through their shared experience. They're listening to a story, but they're actually reminded of their own story in the process. And it makes them feel like they're part of something larger than themselves. Now, I didn't, I didn't start the Monty with that in mind. I started the Monty because I like telling stories and I like listening to stories. But what crystallized over, over the years is that I was serving the community in a profound way through connecting community. And that is so important to me. And it has become a life mission um, more than just, you know, the mission of the organization that I run. You started the Monty because you love telling and listening to stories. At that time, did you have any formal education or experience with storytelling? Oh, well, so, so I will tell you this, that um, my experience with story is, is informal. I've never been trained as a storyteller. Um, like I said, I, I'm a trained scientist. But my informal training as a storyteller began when I was four years old. Um, when my parents told me while sitting in the back seat of my, of a, of a car that they were divorcing 
And um, while you can't imagine, how did how did your storytelling career begin in that moment? Well, I was so confused. I was so um, traumatized by what was happening in my family. And nobody was adequately explaining anything to me that I retreated in, inside the safest place I knew, which was my imagination. And I became a very withdrawn kid at that point. I mean, people would see me around and they'd be worried about me because I was just kind of in my own world. But actually, I was in the most vibrant and electric place I knew. It was a place where I called the shots. Um, I made the rules. Um, I could be the hero. Uh, there were villains. There were other heroes. I could move the plot any way I wanted. Um, it was it was safe and it was comforting. And um, it was a way that I coped and processed the things around me. And that foundation that was laid when I was four um, stays with me to this day. And so that is, is my training, my informal training in storytelling. It, it turns out that I'm no longer a withdrawn person. You know, I, uh, when I went to college, I realized that I could tell stories to other people and possibly form connections. And that's what I did. And I realized just um, what a great asset the, the power of story can become when you use it correctly. You know, you could use it to create connections with other people, form community. And that became really important to me. Doesn't mean that I don't still live in my head. I do. But it means that I can, uh, that I can use, you know, what I've learned and, and, you know, about how to craft story to connect with other people. And uh, that has been such a valuable, you know, um, component of my life. I'm sure you heard lots and lots of stories. Has there been a story that has particularly impacted you? Every story. I mean, well, not every story. I mean, there's some stories I hear. I'm just like, no. But so many stories, right? I mean, I could point out thousands. And we've produced thousands. There are so many times where I sit across from a storyteller um, who within two to four weeks is going to get on our stage and deliver a story in front of a room full of strangers. I'm helping them to develop that story. And as I'm listening, I am helping them to hold up a mirror in front of them. You know, like, oh, that's me. That's me. That, oh yeah, I went through something just like that. And as I'm helping them to develop, I am deeply, deeply moved by the stories that I hear. These are stories of love, loss, uh, failure, success, um, and everything in between. They're poignant, they're tragic, they're hilarious, they're irreverent, and I love irreverent stories. Um, but any story in which I can see myself is a story that will impact me. And I'm not the exception. I mean, I think we're all like that. God, I love, I love my job, I have to tell you. I, I, I get so enthusiastic about this. So when Mike invited me to, to speak to you, I was like, yeah, of course. Of course, I love this. 
Yeah, I remember seeing you in class, and you just seemed so passionate. And I knew, I knew you'd be a perfect guest, you know. But something that's actually quite interesting is like similar to you. Like when I was a young kid, I also, you know, my parents split up. So like I, I feel like you know I can understand some of the things that you're saying, you know. Like definitely, there's things that we all need to cope with, and like I, I, I think it's just admirable, like what you decided to do, and you basically use uh, tragedy to like create help for many people around. I think that's well, thank you for saying that. I mean, it wasn't intentional. <laughs> it was I was following my nose essentially. I was just following what what kept me moving forward. And you know, the I feel humble and so fortunate to have been able to make up a job for myself that I continue to be passionate about every day and other people are connecting with as well. In what ways would you say storytelling can help people to communicate and connect with each other more effectively? Well, you know, people don't really understand what storytelling actually is. And, and I love that because that means I'll always have a job. I'll, you know, I'll always be able to go and talk to classes or be hired by businesses because when they hear the word storytelling, what they think it is is, oh, once upon a time, this happened, this happened, this happened, the end. You know, it's, a, it's an anecdote or, you know, something happened and I'm going to tell you that and it'll be really, really cool and fun. That's not what a story is. A story is a, is a mechanism. It's a structure that helps people to connect and, and find relevance and engagement in things that happen or information. So you could tell a story about um, uh, information. You could use story structure to teach people something. Um, and it doesn't have action, but it has um, a way that I'm going to make this information that I'm about to teach you relevant to you so that you will never forget it. And so when your teachers are, um, when your professors are lecturing to you um, and you are falling asleep, and I've been in that situation, Mike, you heard me talk about that. Um, they are doing you a disservice. They are not making you care about the information that they're teaching. And story structure and the mechanism of story is a, is a means by which they can, they can make you care about, about the information. If you're interested in um, making connections, it's the same thing. If you're interested in a certain person that you might want to date. Storytelling. It's everywhere, my friend. It's all over the place. Um, anytime you open your mouth, anytime you put pen to paper, you have an opportunity to tell a story and thus inspire somebody on the other end. So it's vital for students who want to eventually become professionals and want to eventually have a full and rich life. And the way to do that is to find through their communication. And, you know, I happen to believe that storytelling is the way to go. Great, yeah. 
So transitioning uh, away a little bit, uh, I wanted to take a look uh, at the Monty as well as a little bit with the uh, the Monty Story Slam. And uh, so the Monty being your signature series, the, the Monty Story Slam being the competitive open mic series. Uh, and I was wondering if the narrative spoken in, in both of them, uh, how they would compare. Oh, so they are, it's a very different, you know, they're very different in depth um, and craft, I would say. So first you have the signature series, as you mentioned, the Monty. Those are 12-minute stories, and they're coached. Um, it's how we... It's how we launched. We launched on the signature series. That's why we call it the signature series. It's basically, I invite people to tell a story on a certain theme. They're like, I got this story, and I'm like, great, let's work on it. Uh, and and the reason why that's important is because 12 minutes is a long time um, for someone who doesn't really know the craft of story to stand on a stage and flub a story. All right, you know, I mean, it's painful for a listener. And I say that I say that with respect. I mean, I, I nothing against people, but it's people don't always know how to you know what's important, how much to say about about one thing, and how little to say about another thing, and how to emphasize and how to work on a theme. Um, and that's why I'm there. So I I help the craft. I help the comp craft of the composition, and I help the craft of the performance itself. Because once you have the text the actual body of the story, that doesn't mean that you know how to deliver it with the right emphasis, the right pacing, and the right presence. You're communicating so much with your body without even saying a word. Um, now, the story slam is a five-minute, as you said, Fernando, uh, uh, competitive open mic. And so I have no idea who's going to get on the stage. We just publicize a theme, they, people drop their name in that. We draw them one by one uh, at random. And somebody steps on stage. And they're judged. But, I mean, some stories are just, oh, they're, they're, they're not great. Some of them. And some of them are just pure gold. I get different things from, from both formats. And I want both of them in my life. But there's a different element that you get from each of them. But in the end, it is all about community and, the, and bringing people together. Yeah, uh, I could just tell um, from reading about them that, you know, they, they're very different. But I think one thing that they do have in common, um, especially format-wise, is there's a rule that you're not allowed to use notes um, when telling your story. So I was wondering why exactly um, not allow the, the use of notes. Well... I, I really dislike um, book readings. Um, I go to book readings sometimes because I, you know, I have some author friends, and um, you know, there's some good readers and there are some bad readers, but they're just reading, and I'm just like, I'm, I bought your book, I'm gonna read that myself. I'm a big boy, I know how to do that, uh, <laughs> and. Um, but the thing, there's something so different about reading words on a page and actually speaking just in sort of natural, you know, plainly spoken language, telling a story where there's no page in between you and the listener. It's just you and the listener. 
it's it's you at a coffee shop telling that one great story about that thing that happened that you've told a million times and you're connecting with that person and there's nothing between you. I don't want the page between people. I want the performance to be in the moment, you know, where, oh, the audience is responding to me and I'm not a slave to the page, to the, to the next sentence. I can just you know, roll with that moment and enhance it because they're jiving with it or just keep moving with the, with the tight story that I have sort of rolling in my head. So that's what we want. We want to create something natural rather than something written. Now, what, but it should be noted that there are several people who they might not bring notes on the stage, but they've memorized their story. And... You know, I I don't prevent or forbid people from doing that. In fact, they need to do it because they're so nervous and they want precise language. You know, they, they want their language to be more beautiful, more page-like, actually. And that's their choice. And some people in the audience really appreciate that and some people feel that it's not authentic. But, you know, that's... That's just one diversity of experience and preference. And so I kind of love that some people are more uh, lyrical and poetic with their language and they, and they um, memorize. And I love some people more extemporaneous expression. One thing that I could tell you though, and this is really important, we've been doing this for 12 and a half years. And there have been about seven people in our history that have been on stage telling their story and they've just shut down. What I mean shut down is that they lost their place and they don't know how to get back to their place. Where am I? God, what was I going to say next? And there's one thing that binds all of those seven people together and that is that they all memorize their story. When you memorize your story, what you have in front of you as you're telling it is the next sentence. Got to hit that sentence. Got to hit the next sentence. Um, when you are kind of extemporaneously telling your story, you don't have sentences in front of you. You have moments. Think of how you tell stories, um, you know, with your friends. You're seeing it. You're almost reliving it in a way. You can access the feelings because you're there. Whereas the people who've memorized are not there. They're on a page. They're seeing the words. And if they lose it, they're gone. So it's a little dangerous. And, you know, I, I will tell you, I, I've always operated under, uh, in one of those lanes, and it's the extemporaneous lane. And the story is very well known. I practice, I study. Um, there are pockets of precise language, um, but it's mostly an extemporaneously delivered story. What are some words of advice would you give to a first-time storyteller for the Monty Show? A lot of practice. And here's the thing is practice is one of the most painful things to do. You're sitting in a room alone and you're trying to tell a story to a wall, right? There, I mean, there's no connection. You, a, a, a story, a told story requires an audience. So it doesn't feel right when you're not, but you still have to do it. It'll never feel more alive than when you're actually in a room telling it to somebody. But practice, practice, practice. And by the way, they're practicing with me too. 
So, you know, I have a three-tiered process um, of de- helping people to develop their performance. And it kind of ends with the, the last tier is, is refinement, where we're, they're telling me their story and I'm giving them some advice. But the thing is, the more that you tell it, the more comfortable you become, the more confident they become. There's always this thing that happens with mainly first-time storytellers, where about 10 days prior to the performance... I, I get an email um, from them saying, oh my God, I, I, I was in bed last night and I just, I freaked out because like, what, like what, like what, does, does anybody care about this story? Like, is it even interesting? Like, are they going to laugh at me? Are they, um, are they, you know, like, what if I throw up? Like all this stuff. And, I mean, there's a lot of things that they say to me and I'm, I'm there as, uh, you know, as their you know, resource, coach, best friend, all that. But the thing is, is that what I try to tell them, and, you know, there's just no three things I tell them. I tell them much, many more than three things. Um, The audience, they want to love you. They are not here to pick you apart. They want to connect, whether they are aware of it or not. I mean, they might be like, oh, we're going to the Monty. We're going to have a good time. But what they really want is to fall in love with the people on stage. And um, if the storyteller, this is what I tell everybody right before they go out um, from the green room to the auditorium. I tell them, if you get on the stage with humility and sincerity and you want to connect you know, with your listener, with your audience, you will be successful. Because at the very least, worst case scenario is you forget where you are, or you flub a line, or, you know, you just, you just lose, lose sense of self in that moment. I've seen it happen. Storytellers just standing on stage and silence, Silence, and then all of a sudden you hear a singular voice from the audience say, You got this! And then followed by a smattering of applause, followed by the entire room erupting in applause and cheers and support. That, those are some of the greatest moments. I, it, it's probably not the preferred moment for the storyteller, but it's the moment that you begin to learn that you're not alone. If you just relax, Take a breath, you'll find your place in the story, and you will move forward. It was fun to have Dr. Polish on our show because he would tell us all of these stories and draw us in, and inevitably himself as well. All of us would be so deeply in the moment, you know, deep into the story before we realized that we were also deeply behind schedule. Like, oh, it's time to attend our next Zoom class. Man, that was a long answer to a short question. I don't even remember what the question was. (laughs) What was it? (laughs) Yeah, uh, we just wanted, uh, I guess, a description of kind of the photos you have sent, but... Oh, oh yeah, the photos! Yeah, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's horrible. I can't believe that I was so long-winded. That's horrible of me. 
<laughs> okay, so I'm gonna give you some, a short short on the other. You can feel free to cut as much as you want. The Monty simply started because Dr. Polish enjoys listening to other people's stories. Maybe a hobby, passion, or simple enjoyment you have, no matter how small or quirky, can become your next business or organization idea. Ask yourself, what do I enjoy doing? Yeah, what do I enjoy doing, Jen? I, I also enjoy listening to stories and why I enjoy doing Passioner's Podcasts. I gravitate towards passionate people because I feel more excited, vibrant, and alive around those people with strong energy and aura. Since this is a storytelling episode, I'll share one of my stories. About a year ago, I was talking to my good friend. We were sitting on the high balcony overlooking a beach in humid summer air, talking about our lives, you know, <laughs> going through a quarter life crisis. <laughs> Um, and I asked her, what do you want in life? And she responded that she wants to feel more. So I asked, you want to feel more emotions like excitement, happiness, and compassion, right? What she said next stuck with me all this time because it was an answer I was not expecting. She said, no, I, I want to feel more in life. I want to feel more ecstatic, courageous, eager, awe, yeah. But I also want to feel more anger, fear, shame, frustration, and embarrassment. I long to feel and experience more, both the highs and the lows. I realize that's the kind of person I want to become, and probably the reason I gravitate towards passionate people. For me, passionate people are those who aren't unafraid per se, but rather those who acknowledge that they are afraid and let themselves feel that emotion while simultaneously opening a door to let themselves feel much more than fear. Theodore Roosevelt once said, it is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena whose face is murdered by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, who at the best knows, in the end, the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls neither know victory nor defeat. Dr. Jeff Polish, thank you for joining us today. I had uh, an incredible time hearing you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I just want to say thank you for joining us. Like, just a quick reminder again, like just seeing you in class and like the whole lecture you gave has to be one of my favorite lectures I ever received at UNC so far. And I just want to say thank you for this opportunity and I'm sure like a lot of people are going to be interested to hear this because you just have that personality that shines and I just want to say thank you for this opportunity well thanks a lot Mike and thanks to all of you for having me it's a, it's a real pleasure to be here thank you
To learn more about Mr. Polish and other passioners we have interviewed in this podcast, and to see behind the scenes of how we create each of our episodes, follow our Instagram at Passioners Podcast. Thanks, Mr. Polish, for spurging us with cool stories. Visit the Monty's website, themonty.org, to see video clips of some of the signature series stories. This episode is written, edited, and produced by Janice King. Mike Garcia, Fernando Garcia, and I are co hosts of the podcast. Claire Hems is our social media director. Lana Hatziomanovic is our illustrator. We use original music by Chiazo Ajula. Other music reviews are listed on our website at passionerspodcast.com. Next episode, we're doing a 2021 special edition. Stay tuned. Passioners Podcast tells the stories of entrepreneurs and their journeys. My name is Janice King. Thanks for listening.